This week, instead of a fun fact about Irish mythology, I thought we'd go in full American and make this about independence, but with an Irish twist. How is the 4th of July celebrated in Ireland? Independence is a subject that is rife with controversy in the Republic of Ireland. How can Ireland be free if the North is not part of the Republic? Whatever your take on that, no day of Irish independence is really celebrated in Ireland. So, instead, every 4th of July, the Irish go nuts and celebrate American style the way Americans celebrate St. Patrick's Day, which is to say, outlandishly and only partially related to the original holiday. Pizza and hot dogs are the food of the day, and massive gatherings are met with fireworks. In Galway, where we were in 2012, there was even a boat race, because why not? Anyway, a fun factoid given the fourth is on its way. Let's jump in. Previously, on Goddessy. Lu has been accepted into the court of the Tuatha Dé Danann after restoring Nuada to the throne. He has been given an official position as the Olav Erin, the great teacher of all things. But despite this great personal victory, war with the Fomorians is inevitable, and a peace talk has been called to try and mitigate the coming war. Worse yet, Lu has lost the element of surprise. His grandfather, Balor of the Evil Eye, has discovered he is alive and vows to destroy him. Welcome to Goddessy, Episode 17, The Mists of War. For all his talents, Lou did not listen well. The time for peace talks had come. The orders had been clear. Lou was not to come under any circumstances for the good of his people. Lou, of course, thought this was a terrible idea. He had the spear of assault. He would come out of the fight alive. You might, said Nuwata, irritated at him, but we will not. Your grandfather's terms were clear and rather generous, given his usual temperament. Nonetheless, Lou had disobeyed, albeit in secret. The court had chosen only the best to go forth to Armagh in the north of the isle. Nuada was required as king, and Bridget as his stand-in for a queen. The Dagda went as chief druid, and Ogma as champion of the court. Angus and Medir went as well, offering silver tongue and martial prowess, should it come to that. A final request had been given to the delegation of the Fomorians, delivered by Carrier Falcon. Bridget's son with the usurper, Ruidan, was to come as well. Lou found this suspicious. Though he was going to disobey anyway, that would have been enough to convince him to come along. So, setting out before dawn's first light on his horse Inbar with the hound Felinus, who was glad to be back in his company, Lou followed the Tuathididanan procession. It was before noon when they arrived, meeting there upon a hill. Lou knew he was not far from where his father's body lie, and felt unease rise in him. But it was not simply the proximity that brought ire to the fore, but something deeper within. A mist was coming from the west. Something came with it. Lou felt a familiarity to it. A hideous horn bellowed and drew him from his apprehension, signaling the arrival of the Fomorian procession. Ogma signaled back the noble horn that they were already there, and at a standing circle of stones upon which a table had been made, and Nuwada the Dagda and Bridget already sat there. Then came a crashing, a rhythmic pounding that was not a drum, emerging from the mist that followed them, yet was not part of the Fomorian presence, 
Luce saw him at last. The giant had come. The Dagda was a small thing compared to him, no more a pup before a mountain. Where the Dagda was between eight and ten feet, by Lou's reckoning, the giant before them was nearly forty feet tall. He wore a full suit of scaled leather armor and a tunic, no breeches, and carried with him a mighty sword. On his head he wore a leather cap and an elaborate series of eye patches across his single large eye. His teeth were fanged, carved like a beast, and his nose torn. This was he. This was Balor of the Evil Eye. Luce shrunk behind a rock, hoping that Balor could not see him behind those eye patches, seven in total, Lou counted. Filling himself with the power of the land, he drowned his presence, his smell, his appearance, with that of the wet morning, and hid. What had the Dagda told him? That Balor's evil eye was so powerful that, for every eye patch that was removed, a new terror was unleashed upon the land he beheld? Fire and poison and ash. Entire mountains had been leveled with but a look. He had Fomorian slaves upon his shoulders, shackled to him, who could remove the eye patches. They cackled and made lewd gestures at Nuwada and Brigid, but their words were but babble. Ilatha sat across from Brigid, and with him came Brez, sitting across from the Dagda. The central seat between them was left empty. A woman appeared, and standing behind the central seat, wrapped her arms around the head of the seat. Behind them was a host of warriors, a mixture of humanoid shapes and monstrous malformations. There were paltry things compared to just Medir, but with Angus even those at the tables were worthless warriors. Balor made up the difference. No one among the Tuatha Dé Danann could stand against him. None save Lu, who should not even be here. His magic invested in it, he listened in at a distance as Alatha said the first words. You honor us with your presence, Nuwada. I see a new hand, a strange thing, that silver construct. I would like to examine it. Nuwada smiled. I am certain you would, but I am not here to school you in the finer points of magic, nor is my druid. I see you have brought your soothsayer. She was taller than Alatha or Brez, dark-haired and sullen, but terribly beautiful. She wore a simple dress of leather, a string of animal skulls about her neck like an amulet, and wore red paint across her face, giving her a kind of bestial look, not unlike a wolf. On her back was a cloak made of stag's fur, a hood there made from its face, and antlers upon it that she might wear while doing her dark rituals. Lou feared her. Had she been the soothsayer to tell Balor the prophecy regarding his grandson, regarding Lou? No one brings me but fate, Nuwada Silverhand. I speak for Indek, and Elatha for Fomorian to live on this island. Your former king Brez speaks for himself. The Dagda laughed. If he can manage that. Brez's smile did not waver. He was looking at his son, who smiled back at his father. Bridget's own look was one of absolute contempt for the man. Elatha spoke next. We come to negotiate peace, that we might prevent this war. The final war, you mean, 
said Bridget to her father-in-law coldly. The war where we wipe your filthy feet from the Emerald Isle and restore it to its verdant glory. Above them, Balor laughed like thunder. The war where Balor ruins your island for all habitation forever, yes, daughter-in-law. And is that my grandson? Give your grandfather a hug, Ruidan. Ruidan stood, but Bridget put a hand on her son's shoulder. He will do no such thing, Ilatha. Why did you insist he come here on a mission of peace? He is but a boy. Brez answered. He needs to learn, Noatabark. You do not speak, usurper. You are a witness, nothing more. That you sit at this table is an insult to our nobility. I will not question Indek's choice to allow you to be here, but I will put my blade through the bottom of your jaw to keep it from flapping. Brez began to respond, but stopped with a smile. His father shot him a look, and there was nothing more to be said. We will grant you dominion over the east, south, and west, which you will share with the remaining Firbolg and Niet, last of his kin, said the soothsayer, her tone never rising above a slow cadence. And we, the north, you will grant us tribute, one-third of your crop, for our trouble, for we live on the outskirts. Consider it charity. Is this agreeable? Nuwata considered. There is more to your terms. There always is. That you deserve a third is more than we can bear. But let me hear what else you have to say, witch. She did not miss a beat. Lu, son of Ethnu, must be turned over to us. He will be our slave, under our protection, locked away in Tor Balor until the passing of Balor from this world. Similarly, the boy Ruidan will live with his father. Bridget rose, a fire burning within her. You will be a feast for crows this day before I part with my son in such a fashion that we would give our Olav in such a manner, let alone my own royal son. The Dagda nodded. She is right. I would not be parted with my grandson and with Lou. Your prophecies are your own problem, but we will not give up our own blood for dead as hostages for peace you will not keep. Do not think we have forgotten how you encroached on our last peace, how Brez made more and more land yours. Do you think we would not demand it back, that we would come here without our own demands? Ilatha and the soothsayer stayed their tongues, waiting for those demands. Nuwata gave them. That you should give us back the land you took from us under the false king Brez. That you return to the border you maintained with us when we shared this island with the Fearbolg. That is our demand. Retreat and be peaceful in the enforcement of borders and we will have peace. I will give you crops. I can give you that small charity. Lou and Ruidan are not on the table. Another thunderous laugh. You misunderstand, little Nuwada, came the voice of Balor of the Evil Eye, booming like a cloud at war. We do not request this, we demand it. Ilotha threw my grandsons into the bay at Torbalor. My daughter Ethnu went to her grave cursing me that her three boys died. That only two did is an insult to her memory. Give me Lou and let me make her curse worth it. My grandson must die. Every syllable was thunder, shaking even the thick bones of the Dagda. 
Nawada and Bridget looked away from him as he spoke, and even Alatha and Brez shielded their ears. The soothsayer and the Dagda alone withstood Balor's words. You will find life full of disappointments, evil-eyed Balor. Lu is not yours. We have another command. Return Fragarak to us. You have no claim over the property of an Andana Shi of Mananenmech Lear, king of Tunanog. Ilatha chuckled and drew a blade. This thing doesn't even work. He pointed the blade at Brez. Are you the rightful king of the Tuatha Dí Danann? Of course, said Brez, glaring at his father. Ilatha and the Fomorians laughed. Even the soothsayer smiled wryly. Ilatha stood and slammed the blade into the center of the stone table. Let Mananen reclaim his prize then, or Little Lost Lu, son of three paltry peoples. Above, Balor sniffed, three long sniffs. I smell something. A rat. Lu felt his stomach curl within himself. He cloaked himself more and more in the magic of hiding, a mist overcoming him. He could scarcely see if not for further magic he drew on. He's not here, Balor. We are keepers of our word, said Nuwada, almost nervous in his tone. Balor sniffed again. Must be the smell of fear you carry with you, then. The magic had worked, but Lu was feeling more and more distant with every new spell. Ilatha continued. If he is not here, as we asked you, then these negotiations must continue. We demand a third of your crop, our current borders, and Lewin Ruidin by harvest tide, come autumn's equinox. Bridget answered once again, He is not yours to have, by the Sovereign Queen's eye. Why not let him choose? said Brez, staring at her. Why not let Ruidin speak, wife? He is almost a man. He can speak his mind. Bridget glowered at him, her hair rising on end, a heat mirage beginning to form around her. Yes, why not? She turned to her son beside her, a certainty coming over her. Ruidan, speak your mind. What is it that you want? The boy beside Bridget looked between his mother and father, a sternness growing in it. He had already been thinking about this question. His mouth quivered with an answer, eyes darting between the two. Can father come back home? In peace? Bridget shook her head. He cannot. He is a traitor to our people and too many people want him dead. Brez laughed from across the table. Ruidin then pointed at Nuada, glaring. Then as long as he is king, I will not sit in his court. I am loyal to my father. Ruidin left his mother's side and moved past Ilatha and the soothsayer, standing beside Brez, who took him by the shoulder and hugged him. At least I have one soul loyal to me. Bridget's face was red, red hair all but floating now as tears welled in her eyes. Ilatha, sensing the escalation of the situation, spoke to the boy. Understand, grandson, that your father will never again be king of your people. You are a Fomorian now. We take what is ours, and only hold what is ours by our own hand. If we cannot defend it, like your father could not defend his throne, then we do not deserve it. Do you understand? You must fight to maintain your own claim on the world. 
Ruidan nodded, smiling darkly. Then our business is concluded, continued Elatha, standing. We will expect your crop soon, though no farmers are you. Poor Fearbulk souls working to the bone to make up for your ignorance. Brez knew how to farm at least, and Lou. Make your peace with it, but he must die. Hand him over to us by then, or we will annihilate you. Nawada stood, glaring. We did not agree to hand over Ruidan, and we do not agree to hand over Lou. You ask for peace while giving us slaps to the face. We shall not yield, Alatha. Aurora began to rise up from behind Alatha. Then you will perish, King Nawada. Did you expect to escape from here alive? Just as Lou had suspected. Rising, he drew back and launched the Spear of Asal, giving the command. Ibar. As the mist twirled at Balor's feet, the host of the Fomorians seemed to multiply at first by tens, then by hundreds. The Spear of Asal flew over the table, over Alatha and the soothsayer and Brez, and into the crowd, tearing into Fomorian after Fomorian as if in bloodlust. Of its own accord, it ran through them all like a javelin on a mission, controlled by no force but its own. Lou stood and watched as the spear killed ten, then fifty, in no shorter time than thirty seconds. The Fomorians, seeing the figure of Lou on the hill, turned and began to flee. With them, Balor, shocked, glared at his grandson and turned, charging away, stepping over his own forces without a care. Only the soothsayer remained, her own hair beginning to float. Indak's words were clear. We are not to harm you if he appeared. Now that I have seen him, I have my final command. Portents of war have been given. Fate has decreed that when the year is dead, we shall have our final battle. Near winter solstice. You face the whole of the might of the Fomorians, children of Danu. Make peace with your death, for no magic spear or fairy magic can free you of our wrath. She turned and disappeared into the mists. Bridget rested her head on her hands, crying, the fire of her hair not subsiding, while the Dagda, Nuwada, and the others turned to where Lou stood, where the mist enclosed him and devoured him, where nothing remained but Lou, Inbar, and Felinus. Lou looked around, trying to understand what was happening. Above him, ravens called. Felinus began to bark beside him, at something to his right, then ran off, his bark a splendid thing, not of fear, but of love. Felinus? Felinus, come back! There was no reply. Lou looked to where the Dagda Nawada had been. King Nawada? Great-grandfather? I'm here! There was no reply. His voice echoed as if in a canyon. There was no choice but to follow the hound. Inbar stayed close. He walked, for how long he could not recall. Hills and rocks gave way to a smooth decline, and in time, the cawing of ravens above was joined by the lapping of the sea and the barking of Felinus. There, at the water's edge, the hound jumped and danced around a woman in a loose, wet gown. The fairy woman was there. The Andana she who had been assigned to protect him as a child. Be a dog? I never thought I'd see you again. 
She turned to him, her ethereal gaze seeming to look at him, through him, and yet never reaching him all at once. She gave him the facsimile of a smile, as if she once knew how, but now only knew the imitation. You did not think we were done with you, did you, son of Kian? A debt is owed. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Yeager. Music by Scott Buckley, who can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au and on Patreon. Additional sounds by Dan Mitchell. Want to reach out to us without summoning fairy mist? Check us out on social media at The Goddessy Podcast. Reach out, say hi, and we'll strike an accord. Want to make further bargains? Check us out on Patreon, where you can sell your soul for early access, episodes, image posts, and all manner of things I'm working on, including the beginnings of Season 2. Spoiler alert, we're not sticking around Ireland. Goddessy updates every Monday. See you then.